Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Woo! Yes. I want to come to church and get that response every Sunday. Okay, let me get my little miniature stool over here. Well, it's an honor to be with you guys this morning. Moms are resilient. We know that firsthand, right? Can I get an amen? Motherhood is tough. It's exhausting, as we just discussed. No sleep, right? So if you're a mother, you're resilient. And today we're talking about resiliency. So I want to share a story with you guys about Hannah, which is in 1 Samuel chapter 1. But before I begin, let me shoot straight with you. Um, I never really completed a book from start to finish in junior high or high school. So of Mice and Men, you remember that? To Kill a Mockingbird, Phantom Toll Booth. I couldn't tell you what they're about. I did, however, skim the cliff notes. You guys remember that? <laughs> so this morning, I'm going to give you the cliff notes of the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel. So Hannah is married to Elkanah. We're going to call him Elk, because a little bit easier, all right? And Elk has two wives, okay? This is some Old Testament sh stuff. <laughs> all right? Not biblical. This is cultural. If you have any questions about it, Luke will be outside waiting for you to answer all of those for you. Okay? So his other wife, her name is Penina. We're going to call her Penny. Okay? So we got Elk. He's got two wives, Hannah and Penny. Penny has, we know from the Bible, at least four children, maybe more. And unfortunately, Hannah is barren. She cannot have children. Okay? Now, Penny is not very kind. She's your modern-day Karen, okay? She's your social media troll. They just can't <laughs> stop making comments, right? So she keeps egging on Hannah and is like, you know, nanny, nanny, poo-poo, you can't have kids. And Hannah, you know, she's tired of hearing this. She's sad. I mean, this is some deep, emotional, heavy stuff. The Bible says that Penny provokes Hannah and irritates her for years. And you know where she's doing this? In church, in the tabernacle. This is where Penny is egging on Hannah. And Hannah stops eating. This is tough for her as it would, for, would be for any of us, right? And Elk's just in the middle trying to figure out the sister wives drama. He's like, what did I get myself into, right? Why won't you eat? Why are you crying? He just doesn't get it. Saga unfolds, and we find out that Hannah's in church, and she prays a very specific prayer, okay? She says, um, it's actually 1 Samuel 1.10. I'll read it to you. This is what she says. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime and as a sign that he's been dedicated the Lord to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. So shortly after she makes this commitment to the Lord in prayer, she lays with elk. We all know what that means. And eventually gives birth to Samuel. She stands by her word. She dedicates Samuel back to the Lord. This is where we get the idea of dedication. And Hannah's prayer is answered after years in the waiting. Now, I'm not here to tell you that everybody's story ends just like Hannah's, but what I can assure you that we will experience that same adversity. Your first blank, if you're following along on the app, is acknowledge adversity. 
And Angelique, if you can share with us a little bit about your journey and experiences. Sorry, I was getting a little fresh with the cord with you. Oops. Growing up, I loved sitting across the couch listening to my grandma's stories. I believe she helped plant the seed of my love of the World War II era. She would share her stories of resiliency in the face of adversity. Because during World War II, my grandma was put into relocation camp. Things weren't fun for her, but she taught us that, you know what, stuff may suck, but it's what you do in the suck that makes the difference. How many of us have been overwhelmed with adversity? The state or instance of serious or continued difficulty or misfortune? Ooh, no one, just me? Oh, hey, I, it's me, okay, it's cool. Let's jump back into Hannah's story as we acknowledge adversity. In 1 Samuel 1, 6 through 7, and because the Lord closed her womb, she, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and could not eat. Have you been there? When the one thing you want the most, you feel you're supposed to have, you feel it in your bones as your calling is just out of reach. See, my grandma also taught me the love of the game. I learned my trash talking baseball love from her. So in this sense for Hannah, it's like going to a Padres game and you have that one Dodger fan that just will not stop while they're playing anybody else but the Dodgers. We get it. You won the World Series in 2020. It was a shortened year, y'all. Like, it's okay. Move on. Okay, back to Hannah. As if everything she was going through wasn't enough. Verses 12 through 14 tells us that Hannah went to temple with her husband once a year during a time when the nation of Israel wasn't focused on the Lord. Now on top of being against social norms by going to temple, church, to petition to God for a child, Eli, the pastor, sees her actively moving her lips and no sound coming out and he thinks she's drunk and calls her out. She's accused of being drunk in temple. And here we are having mimosas. Hey, cheers, everyone. What a great time to be alive. But poor Hannah, she's under pressure of societal expectations, believes she's cursed, has a non-existent support system, and a husband who in verse eight asks her, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Hello, this coming from the guy who took on a second wife and an annoying one at that and had the audacity to ask her, aren't I enough? Bro, no. Her story resonates with me, inspires me, and challenges me. Have you ever prayed for something so hard, so deeply, and so passionately? I did. I named it, declared it, practically demanded it, and refused to take no for an answer. See, when I was little, I had the goal to be the first female admiral in the Navy. I was the daughter of a reservist. We went from Army Special Forces to Navy Special Operations, and I've experienced over 10 combat deployments. So in my family, I have two CFOs. Those are chief freakout officers in my life. And one time dad had called, and this is when you got one 15-minute phone call, maybe once every six weeks. And so it was gold when that phone rang, and it was dad. And my mom had talked to him. My brother had talked to him. I picked up the phone, and I was like, hey, dad, how was your day? How are you? Boom. An IED went off. Phone line went dead. 
Now, I'm a fast talker and a quick thinker, and I was like, oh, you have to go? I will let mom and brother know. Okay, give us a call when you can. Bye. For two weeks, I waited to find out what would happen. Thank God he called, and the first thing he said was, I need to speak to Angelique, and I picked up the phone, and I was like, you owe me so big. They don't know, and unless they're hearing this, they still don't know, and that was 19 years ago. You would think that would have deterred me, but no. I had dreams and aspirations. I was going to make it. I got my letter to the U.S. Naval Academy. They said yes, and I was like, yes, here I go. Now, my grandma I mentioned earlier, she said, if you go, I will die. And I was like, excuse me, you survived a war. You will what? I can't can't carry that weight. My dad pulled me aside and said, hey, the war's not ending, and I got to keep going. I need you to work on the home front. And I was like, you suck. So instead of going to Annapolis, I went to Azusa Pacific University. It's a small Christian university in L.A. County, and I don't regret it for a minute. I felt that was a delay, not a determent, so I kept going. Now fast forward. Now I was graduating. I was going into officer candidate school. I was also newly engaged. A wartime romance. Girls don't do this to your father. Guy meets girl a week later. He deploys. She waits for him because she said yes. He comes home a week later. They're engaged. A few weeks later, they're married. Don't do this to your dads, girls. Don't. It doesn't turn out. But you know what? He didn't flinch. He didn't flinch when I admitted I was infertile. That I had gotten in a fight years earlier, I had injured my hip and I had organ damage, and the doctor said, no babies for you. Admitting I was infertile didn't stop the pain of it. I was carrying the weight of being barren, fruitless, broken, damaged, a failure, forgotten, cursed, a guilt that was suffocating. Like Hannah, I prayed, I wept, and I was exhausted. Sometimes my prayer sounded more like, God, what did I ever freaking do to you to make you hate me? Have you been there? But God was challenging me to see how deeply I wanted it. And he may be challenging you to see how deeply you want what you're petitioning for. Because he put a new challenge in front of me. Because now I was a newly single mom with a newborn I was told I could never have after a miscarriage that almost took my life. And I thought, now I can have all of my dreams back. Finally. Spoiler alert. I signed the dotted line. I received the highest rank I could ever achieve. I have the love of my life. Most precious little girl I could ever be blessed to have. Not a day goes by I don't look in her innocent eyes and think this was the best yes I've ever said. I hold the rank of mommy, the admiral of the house. I am not one of 216. I am one of one. Why did I want to be an admiral in the Navy? I wanted to be a leader people knew had their back, provide a safe place, and could handle pressure when things were going wrong. I wanted to go head-to-head with top leaders and fight for those who didn't have a voice for 22 years. Stubbornness is my spiritual gift. God had been working in me, showing me it's not the military I wanted so deeply. It's ministry. Uh, No, mm -mm. I must have called the wrong number because that is not what I prayed for. I must not have prayed correctly because I wanted this on my terms. There's a few pictures we have, and there are three different organizations I work with. Absolutely none are affiliated with the church. 
One of them is because of your generosity that when COVID hit and the border shut down, I work with an orphanage in Mexico and we had no supplies. I went to Luke and Leslie and I'm like, what am I going to do? I need you to pray with me. I need you to help me think like I need to process this. And they're like, take a breath first and let's see what we can do. And because of your generosity and donations, we were able to get them formula and diapers that they so desperately needed. Another one, there's a picture of me and she may look kind of familiar, Dr. Pavich. We did not know each other from here. We met each other because we were both going head to head in August of 2020 fighting to teach in person. And I don't know if you've had the opportunity to talk to her, but she is tough and we both won. We both taught in person that year. And another one, you may see a lot of those faces around here, and they are awesome because I work for an organization that helps bereaved families, people who have lost their child. And I said, guys, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's hitting the fan, and things are falling apart, and I need help. And they're like, hey, we got you. We're going to show up. None of this was on my terms. We are cracked and shipped from our afflictions on all sides, but we are not crushed by them. We are bewildered at times, but we do not give in to despair. We are persecuted, but we have not been abandoned. We've been knocked down, but we have not been destroyed. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. Resiliency assumes that we have to face, are facing, and will face adversity in our lives. Some of us ignore the challenges or push through it by busying ourselves with other things that we think may dull the pain. Have you been there? Have you overcommitted, overloaded, and overwhelmed your schedule so you don't have a second of silence to hear your own thoughts? Have you ever taken something to the extreme to help with the pain because you just cannot take anymore? Are you an emotional eater and eat to feel a little bit of joy you so desperately crave? I have. I did. And sometimes I still do. We might not want to acknowledge the struggles, because somehow doing it, we feel like we failed. Maybe you've been knocked down to your knees. Maybe you're exhausted from the overwhelming emotional weight you've been carrying for so long. Let's be real, these past couple of years have been turbulent and downright hateful at times. Hannah's story invites us to give space to acknowledge and name adversity or what seems to be broken and then lament and grieve over that brokenness. It's okay not to feel okay in a season of adversity. Just don't give up. Let me introduce you to an amazing mom, Juliet, as she shares about choosing prayerful posture. Hi, hi guys. I know everyone saw the picture of my family earlier. They are the cutest, right? Um, I'm not sure if you saw the little guy that was clinging for dear life to his mom. For those of you who don't know him, does anyone want to try and take a stab at what his name is? It's Samuel, fitting for today's story. Um, I am going to get, we all are getting a little bit vulnerable with you guys today, which is definitely out of my comfort zone, but... It still amazes me how, you know, when you're first dating your future spouse and you had that conversation, hey, how many kids do you want to have? And that's pretty standard, right? But then you fast forward a couple years and then sometimes God shows you, oh, I'm not actually in control of this. So my husband and I, our first journey into parenthood, uh, we lost our baby right around 12 weeks and 
It was that perfect time, you know, right after you've told your family and all of your friends. I was young and I was healthy and I didn't even think that was something that happened. And just so we're all clear, it's not fun to talk about the sad things, but it's something that we need to talk about. And if you're going through infertility or you've lost a child, I just want you to know that I feel your pain. And I'm here if you need to talk. We're here and there's resources for you. My husband and I did finally have our first daughter, Alice, thankfully without any complications. But the fear and the anxiety when you've gone through that loss, it casts this cloud over you. And I feel like with Hannah, she, her cloud was magnified because she had that void in never having a child. Like we read earlier in 1 Samuel, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. When my husband and I got pregnant the next time, I was in a really horrible car accident on the 805. And I remember that moment like it was yesterday, telling God, how can I lose another child? In all transparency, I'll equate it to the feeling that Hannah had where she had that bitterness We think because we're doing the right things and we love God, that that's enough to get us exactly what we want. That feeling in another version, it says that Hannah was deeply distressed and vexed. That's a feeling that too many of us have had to have, whether that's not being able to get pregnant, losing babies, or losing a child. I will forever vividly remember crying out to the Lord and asking him to save this child. So the question to us becomes, how in the midst of devastation and grief do we as believers walk out our faith? If there's one thing I learned in these moments in my life was that God was using it to call me to be in a posture of prayer. We see in the scripture that Hannah took up her sadness, her distress, even her tears to God. Those were her real vulnerable prayers. It wasn't fluffy or superfluous. It was the genuine grief and the words that she felt. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Our circumstances and our trials aren't meant for us to comprehend, or if you're like me, overanalyze. They're meant to draw us closer to God. He's asking us to give him our sadness and our hurts and our deepest desires. If you take one thing away from my message today, it's that our prayers should be raw and that they're so powerful. Obviously, there was a happy ending to Hannah's story and to my story. From the picture of my son that you saw, you can see that God answered my prayers that day and throughout my pregnancy. And when I found out the baby was a boy, the scripture flooded back into my mind and there was no other name but Samuel for him. Even though I'm pretty sure that my husband thinks we named him after the country artist Sam Hunt. (laughs) So honey, I just want to clarify, it's biblical. Um, But I can stand here today and tell you that I prayed for Samuel and the Lord answered my prayers. The Hebrew meaning of Samuel means that the Lord heard. And he did hear. And that's probably why he's my favorite child, but don't tell the other ones. Okay. (laughs) For Samuel continues on uh, saying, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. 
Then the woman went on her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. The beauty of Hannah's story is that it not only calls us to prayer, but it invites us to recognize our blessings. We see with Hannah that perhaps she sensed God's divine assurance that even while she wasn't pregnant yet, she was no longer sad. She gives us an example that even though we can be in that season of sorrow and bitterness, that there's still goodness and blessings to be grateful for. Psalm 103.2 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This psalm is David's reminder to himself and to everyone reading it that it's essential to praise God. He goes on for the next 20 verses praising God for many of his different attributes, praising God for who he is and what he's done for us. That is what takes away our sadness. This calms our hearts and fills us with his love and his peace. Now, this doesn't mean that every desire of our heart is fulfilled, And while we know that not everything on this side of heaven has an answer, we can trust in him who holds it all together. Sometimes God gives us reminders of his blessings, and sometimes we have to, like David, remind ourselves. My request for you guys this week is take some time, even if you're going through a hard season, and just think of the blessings that God has given you. My little reminder lately has been in the form of my one-year-old. If you have a one-year-old, you know my pain. She's terrorizing my house. Her new, she's full-scale toddlerhood. And her new obsession is drawing on the walls. You can't even clean it up fast enough. So I have this beautiful green Van Gogh crayon artwork on my dining room. And I am very type A, so I was going to clean it up and I sit at the dining table and I see it and I'm going to clean it up and then I get busy and sidetracked and then when I decided to start prepping for this message, I said, no, I'm going to leave this there as my homage to God. And every time I see it, I'm going to say a prayer of blessing to the Lord and thank him for what the crayon symbolizes. A messy life and much to be grateful for. And I surrender up to him that in the chaos of life, All we can do is we can pray, praise him who loves us so much, and surrender up our lives to him. And with that, I'm going to bring back Alice so she can talk about how we can live a life of surrender to God. Just a little fun fact, Alice was actually present when I delivered Samuel. Not that she would probably ever choose to do that again, but (laughs) she was there. It was an experience, I'll tell you that much. I was just along for the ride, Julia. Just like Hannah was along for the ride, she never gave up. She kept going to the tabernacle. She kept going to church. She endured the bully, and she surrendered her life and desires to God. Hannah did not have her prayers answered for years, and today we're talking about resilience, which is all about waiting on God and surrendering and allowing God to be front and center. Prayer is like my Peloton. Anybody here have a Peloton? I'm the only one. Anyone invest in Peloton? (laughs) Well, I have a Peloton, okay? I have gotten on my Peloton for 70 weeks straight, okay? I have a medal. That's how they incentivize you. They're like every week you get on, they give you a little medal and you collect them, okay? And 
I got the Peloton because I wanted to get in shape. I had certain, you know, a certain way I wanted to look. And I was like, if I'm diligent, I'll get the results, right? Well, to my surprise, I'm not getting the results I was hoping for, guys, okay? I'm on there every week, multiple times a week. But I will tell you, I have discovered that it's giving me something else. Instead, it's giving me mental strength. If I'm having a rough week at work, it helps me kind of process and de-stress. And I feel like prayer is like the Peloton. We can be diligent in our prayers, but we don't always get the results that we're looking for. God does this in our lives. I want to tell you guys, in fact, about my friend Amy. There should be a picture coming up here of one of the times we went to Disney together. My kids call her Auntie Amy. She's right back there behind Buzz. And uh, Amy, I've known for over 20 years. She was, um, came to visit the kids in the hospital. She took Lila to get her very first American Girl doll. She drives from Orange County to San Diego every year for my birthday. Like, this is a great friend. Amy's single. She has no kids. Um, and she's been a real blessing in my life. Well, recently, Lila was asked to draw a family tree. Lila's my 11-year-old daughter. There's going to be a picture up here of the family tree that she drew in class. Okay, so you can see over here in the top right-hand corner, it says, she calls dad, Bubby. So she says, Bubby, daddy, and she connects grandma, grandpa, the Thanksgiving relatives. And then there's me, the two little pink hearts, and it says, mommy, mom. And connected to me is Auntie Amy. And Auntie Lindsay, another one of my good friends. But you can see there's not grandma or grandpa or sister or really any blood relative. So I have actually not seen my father in over 10 years. I've not seen my mother or my sister in over 15 years. My mother was not at my wedding. And long story short, I lived through physical and emotional abuse as a child. By my senior year of high school, I had moved out and was navigating life by myself. Throughout my life, God has answered prayers when I didn't even know what to pray. So I had two grocery store clerks. I worked at Vons. They paid for my college tuition. My friend Kirsten's mom paid for my wedding dress and gave me a place to live when I was 20 years old. My friend Tanya's stepdad, Wayne, he taught me how to drive in our high school parking lot in his Ford Windstar. You remember those? <laughs> Mr. McElroy, one of my teachers here, that's me in high school, rocking. It was a halter top with the overalls with the tie-dye. Mr. McElroy taught me how to file my taxes using TurboTax and how to apply for health insurance. And his wife taught me how to scrapbook, how to bake, and even how to roll fondant. And now I roll fondant cakes for my kids' birthdays. They also bought me my senior prom dress, him and his wife. And Mr. McElroy even drove me to get my driver's license. Julia, my matron of honor, she's on the right-hand side, taught me about finances and Dave Ramsey and how to process one-hour photos at Costco while you did your grocery shopping. In fact, I got ready for my wedding at Julia's mom's house. In a perfect world, 
I would have had incredible parents that cheered me on and told me that I was a strong woman. In a perfect world, I would have had my first dance on my wedding day with my dad. In a perfect world, my mom would have been present during the delivery of my children. In a perfect world, my kids who are 9 and 11 would know who grandma and grandpa are. But let me tell you that God took something broken and messy, and he turned it into something beautiful. And I actually love God's story better than what could have been. If this resonates with you, if you're feeling exhausted, struggling with infertility or loss, if you have unanswered prayers, I would love for you to join me in prayer. I'm going to read a quick scripture. It's a powerful scripture. It's going to be up on the screen. And I want you guys to just receive this. I want you to surrender, whatever that looks like. You can put your hands out in front of you. If it's scary, you can just put your hands out under the table in front of you. (laughs) And we're going to surrender, and I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to believe it. It starts with verse 27. Oh, Jacob, and let's cross that off and put your name in. Oh, Angelique, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, let's cross that off. Oh, Juliet, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard, have you never understood, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young people will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this room full of beautiful humans and beautiful mothers, God, who are resilient. They were resilient yesterday. They're resilient today, God. Thank you for their resilience, their commitment, their patience, how they've raised these beautiful children, God. For the people in this room who are walking through a season of pain and hurt and adversity, God, would you be their comfort? Would you remind them that you love them and you care for them, God, that your plan is bigger and better and beyond what they can even imagine, God, that when we trust in you and have hope in the Lord, we can soar high on wings like eagle. In Jesus' name, amen. 